Welcome to Mystery Outsiders and Abs. I'm Kevin Weir. I'm Aaron Weir, and this is a teen drama fan cast. Yes, and we are talking about Riverdale. In this episode of Riverdale, things get... I have never screamed at the TV screen less in an episode of Riverdale than I did in this episode. This episode is... I don't, I don't know if we've had long enough for me and you to, like, absorb what just happened. Because it wasn't... It wasn't crazy. It wasn't even boring. It was. I just said yes. It it had a it, lot. It had it's so much of like if I would almost say it was good. Like it was. It had a lot of points. I'm like yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know what it means in the grander scheme of the show. I don't know what it means. It's like they acknowledged. Everything, everything we've been saying for the past three and a half years. But, like, they did it but, too quick and very ham-handed. And are they going to do anything like they, with what happened? Like, like, we will get into the episode, obviously, but I feel like they introduced a character whose entire point is to be the audience talking to the people. So it was like fan service in a way, almost. Oh, this episode was, like, incredible fan service of just this... <laughs> This one really insane, level-headed character coming in and talking to people. And that's what every single scene was. And it was... I don't know. It's it, it's hard to tell because I don't want to say that it was, it was bad because getting that out was was good. But, but you can't just do things and then <laughs> not have follow-through. Yeah, like, I don't... And 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 the 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 character even says at one point they're like oh I don't expect people to change overnight I'm like neither do we stop saying these things <laughs> like <laughs> you're getting our hopes up for nothing it it's 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 almost uncomfortable <laughs> like <laughs> the 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 show is so unsubtle that even as it's being meta and talking about itself it does with incredible unsubtlety it's written in very clearly a way where it's like yeah we heard your complaints no we heard all the things you say but now someone said it so it's fine I'm like, we've I, acknowledged <laughs> it i don't know i don't know if it is like remember we had that episode i think three or four weeks ago that left me with amazing ennui mm-hmm. i think it might happen again when you were confused and sad and didn't really know how to talk after the episode. Yeah, and I, I, I feel like we might go a very similar route with this one. And as I said, I I don't think it's it's bad. It's very self-aware, but it was almost self-aware in a way that made me more angry at them. than like, so you are a, aware of some of these things. But you're just choosing to lean into them. <laughs> Which which makes me lean toward. Remember, we we always talk about how we believe this writers' room is two sides in constant war of each other. One of them went on vacation because I this this feels like this is the cheese side essentially. This is the side that is like, yeah, this thing should be like cheesy and that and those things. Getting the reins for an episode and doing a super dramatic episode about the cheese in the show. Man, this was. Man, I went to school for so many years for dissecting, like, film and television and, like, storytelling and all those things. And I am out of my element. Well, here's the question. And you can't answer it, Kevin. Oh. But Riverdale Writers Room, I know you have a Twitter. What was the point? What What did you want to achieve with this episode? What were you hoping the audience would get out of it? What were you hoping the characters would get out of it? Did you just want to remind us that they need to apply for college? because <laughs> i mean it was nice to see them do teenage things which has added a very interesting wrinkle that we'll we'll get to when we get to it and i think maybe it's about time we get to it yeah let's get into this all right because this is riverdale season four episode eight in treatment in treatment I want to start by pointing out a crazy. Yeah. The paper is no longer called the Lodge News or whatever nonsense the it's Lodge called. The Lodge Ledger. It's the Riverdale Register again. Yep. 
Who is on that paper? Ooh, it's written by ghosts, Aaron. The ghosts have come in and they are writing the paper, but no one seems to care about it for everyone so only caring about themselves. <laughs> now, I bring this up because everyone in town is getting videos again. Can, can we point out that it's like, oh, after a brief hiatus, this guy returned doing his weird creepy stuff. I'm like, yeah, it was very weird how no one ever did anything about that. They got a whole bunch of envelopes and then they're like, oh, weird. And, and then they forgot. <laughs> they forgot. And, and I kind of forgot. And, and I'm imagining that this this weirdo, this man or woman, whoever is doing this. Um, uh, was so disappointed. Was, was, was like, rip, Guess we have to do it again. And it takes so much time. Yeah, recording six hours of a house. Can I just oh. say that, like, this this plot point, this horrifyingly creepy plot point is so wasted because it is so outwardly terrifying that there's a somebody... This is more terrifying than the Black Hood literally killing people. This mm-hmm. person who is just filming... S- hours uninterrupted people's houses and now he sent now they send out new vhs's and they're closer this should be the entire show everyone should be trying to find this person this should be the thing this but but they bring it up and they mention it again and then then immediately (laughs) then really is like but anyway that was scary but you know what's also scary college which i will say that transition (laughs) because they say oh even students even at the prep school are beginning to and i was like oh Get videos too. No, no, no. Apply to colleges. No, and people are getting their admission or rejection letters. And Doctor Honey, seeing kids freak out, is like, ah, maybe our (laughs) guidance counselor, counselor, who we've had all along, apparently has always existed because her office is clearly not brand new. She has been in that office for a long time. Yeah, she's had time to settle in. Her name is Miss Burble. She is Gina Torres. (laughs) You know. She played Wallace's mom on Veronica Mars. Yeah. She she also uh, was, oh, God, what's her character name from Firefly? Nah, she's a cool person in Firefly. Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. So prepare to get a lot of Gina Torres in this. She is the aforementioned, as we mentioned before, audience character. She is a conglomerate of things. Now, there is something that you guys need to know coming into this. Riverdale? Does not know what a guidance counselor does. <laughs> yeah. She is like just, she has, she mentioned she has a master in psychology. <laughs> she is a licensed psychologist. Yeah. She, but she's like a therapist and an admissions advisor and a guidance counselor. Yeah. She, at one point, Jughead says that she's overqualified and underpaid. And like, yeah, she is. She should leave this job and go someplace because no one's used her despite the fact that she is just a therapist. This is just Riverdale's excuse to get all those kids in to see a therapist. Without, you know, figuring out why would they go to a therapist? <laughs> what? Why would all these kids who have been through so much, who have seen so much death in their small lives, ever go to a therapist? Well, they have no adults to make them go. <laughs> so perhaps it'll be upon uh, college and Dr. No, Mr. Honey. He might be a doctor. No, he's Mr. Mr. Honey. The only doctor is Dr. Kim, that snitch. Oh, you're right. That's not even in the show. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, Mr. Honey saying that, hey, uh, guidance counselor, extend your hours. And she was like, my hours, which were zero before? Like, yes, now you have all damn day. We used to pay you for doing nothing. Now, eight-hour day. So... This will set up the uh, essentially the way that this episode goes is by one by one by one each of the four main people uh, and Cheryl, all right, because yeah. Cheryl's the main character. all the main characters all the main characters will will parade through one by one with a typewriter going click 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 case sixty five Elizabeth Cooper. Now before we get to that, I want to point out a very important development in Riverdale. Alice Cooper got a haircut. She has mom hair now. Yes, Alice Cooper is uh, on the news with mum hair. Alice Cooper is very upset. <laughs> she is sitting, I guess it's the morning before school? I don't know. I don't know where Betty came from outside or from the from upstairs. But man, does she come down to some 
solid sass from Alice being like, I didn't know my daughter was a liar. And I'm like, yes, you did. <laughs> Clearly, where have you been for the past three years? You always thought your daughter was a liar. Are we really going back to this? Well, first season, Alice, you've raised your ugly head very late in the day. It's because she got that haircut. <laughs> No, she's a Karen. She wants to talk to the manager, and she wants to know why Betty didn't get into Yale. Yes. What What made her fail, Betty? Why? What? What, what has what, distracted you? What possibly in your life has distracted you from, from thinking about Yale? It could not be your father, the serial killer, or the fact that I was in a cult for a year or and the then fact disappeared. That I institutionalized you twice. Yes, Betty. What did you do? What did you do that made you fail? Well, Betty, you are out of control, so I searched your bedroom. Which she has not done since season one. Guess what she found? <gasps> Birth control pills. Because she didn't realize that Betty was having sex with the teenage boy who sleeps in her bed when he's home from boarding school. Because they have the same room. And not only that, Alice, who apparently is actually from the 1950s. What? <laughs> Where did this Puritan nonsense come in? Now, once again, if this was season one, I'd be like, yeah, Alice, this makes sense. You also, the first thing you do is go to your daughter's diary. But remember when she watched uh, Betty's sad strip to get into the serpents? Nah, yes, but that doesn't mean that <laughs> she has sex. Also, birth control doesn't mean that she has sex no, either. Maybe she just wants to balance her her hormones. Maybe she's, yeah, maybe she's taking birth control. Anyway. Maybe she just wants to be safe. Yeah. And and Alice is, uh... Hates safety. Hates safety. So Betty goes to the guidance counselor and is very quickly interrupted. By Alice Cooper Smith <laughs> busting into that room and going, Well, I don't know you'd be here. Oh, Betty, I didn't know you'd be here. I only came in one second after you did. I was here to talk to Miss Burblow about teens having sex. I need to get you into Yale. <laughs> and because Miss Burble is, once again, the only rational person in this TV show, apparently, is like, yeah, wait, you think that you think that because she's having sex, she's a bad person? Mm, no, we're sex positive in this house, Miss Alice. We're going to sit down and we're going to talk. And Betty explains that, no, the sex is not the problem. Alice's psychotic parenting... At which point, we learn a few things and unlearn a few things. We learn that when Alice gave away her college fund, she completely gave away her college fund. Because she was actually under Edgar's control then. Which, which, okay, there's an order of operations here which has just gotten all messed up. So did she join the farm then Charles found her? Joined farm. Got disillusioned by farm. Found FBI son. Joined the FBI. Stayed in farm. Is that the sequence? So, so that whole beginning thing was, like... Real. Okay, so... Unfortunate. At what point did Alice get disillusioned with the farm? Maybe she didn't get hypnotized <laughs> this one time, and she was like, wait, I'm not talking to Charles, I'm just talking to Edgar. <laughs> yeah. What is this nonsense? Yeah, more questions got raised than not. And also, like... <laughs> also, the show said it like it was obvious. I was like, what? We were supposed to... What? <laughs> are, are we supposed to know what's true and what's false, Riverdale? And then, of course, Betty brings up, you didn't tell me I had serial killer genes. Actually, she did. <laughs> well, that was Polly. Right, Polly did. Uh, but Alice backed her up. That's true. Yeah. And then Alice is like, Betty, I thought you were supposed to be smart. Smarter than me. Smarter than Polly. And, and then... Betty's like... <laughs> Yes, I am. Oh, Betty does great things in this scene where she's like, yeah, I am smarter than you. That's why I am on the birth control, so I am not 15 and pregnant. It li literally, apparently, apparently my family, uh, right this age is a ripe, ripe age to, to get pregnant, so I'm trying to not do that. And Alice is like, you know what? It's fine. She can say mean things to me. She can say she's smarter than me. But the mean things she says in her diaries. <laughs> Which performance purple's like, uh, hold up one sec. Hold up one damn second here. <laughs> what? <laughs> you read your child's diaries? How do you... Don't say that out loud like that's a normal thing. <laughs> what? How, how could you think I'm on your side? <laughs> I'm just like, you know, Alice, you are a crazy. 
And you may need to respect the fact that your 18-year-old daughter is an adult, not a child. Regardless of what we say all the time. My favorite thing is that Betty does bring up, uh, she's like, no, the things I'm going to have to unpack for the rest of my life is all the crazy abuse you've given me. Accurate. But Alice explains that she's just so sad. Betty can't grow up because she's already lost two children. Like, okay, okay, now Charles did come back. And I thought you had a good relationship with him. I don't know where he is right now. And we know the truth about him, but you don't know the truth about him. And, I, yeah, Polly. Polly Polly is is rough. Polly's a bad one. But probably... If you hadn't, you know, psychologically abused her when she got pregnant from Jason. Yep, send, send her away with your Puritan nonsense. She'd probably be kind of okay. Yeah, I mean, it, this wasn't this a therapy. So the thing is, all we're things, all things we're saying here is, is Gina Torres is going to sort of echo a lot of them. So it's hard for us to talk about. What I do like love about the scene is that at one point, I think Alice says that she loves Betty, and Betty's like, yeah, that's not an apology. Yeah, I love you too, which, Mom. Which which is a great a great, great line from a genre that tends to lie, lie upon, like, oh, if this person loves that person, it's fine no matter what they do to them, as long as they love them. Exactly. As long as the bad things come from a place of love, they're yeah. okay things. Yeah, so having a character like Betty be like, no, that's not – saying you love me is not an apology. It's true. Yeah. But then Alice reveals that she loves Betty the most. <laughs> which which is why she sent Polly away. And Charles is. Charles what, – what's she – at the time, she probably made the best choice rather than being a 16-year-old trying to raise a kid would, be, would have been – good for neither of them especially because she was a serpent so it's not like she was from a wealthy family yeah and as far as she knows and realistically charles did become an fbi agent which is a pretty good job now the weird stuff around it who i've still not quite parsed into a story or picked or pieced into a story not parsed pieced into a story so we'll see how that happens anyway after all of this it's the credits. <laughs> this is the wildest cold open that has ever opened. Oh, all right. Betty will be now put aside into the sidebinder for now. Now, Archie, he's sleeping in class. Kevin, who is the only secondary character in this episode, tries to wake him up. <laughs> yep. Which leads me to wonder, is he a part of the Reggie Monroe conspiracy? Is is Kevin also Reggie M. Monroe? <laughs> Maybe. We've seen Kevin and Reggie together. Oh, that's true. When they broke into Honey's office. Yeah, they've literally done things together, so. And they all did the car washing. Yeah, but I mean, we we haven't seen Emily interact with each of them individually. Dr. uh, Mr. Honey. Dr. Mr. Honey talked with Reggie and then, or talked with Kevin, then talked with Reggie. So unless we're um, implying that Mr. Honey... Talked to Kevin, walked out the room, walked back in, and pretended he was Reggie. You know? And then trashed his car for some reason. We don't see Mr. Honey have a scene <laughs> with verbals, uh, so... He, he does. He he doesn't talk to him a long time, but he does... No, I, I mean, he doesn't get to have therapy with her, so who knows what oh, his delusions he are. He, he doesn't need therapy. He's a perfectly reasonable adult who trashes students' cars. And also calls the cops on their parties. <laughs> He is totally not <laughs> repressing anything <laughs> at all from his days as a teen. Anyway, Archie sleeps in class, and because he sleeps in class, he gets sent to see the guidance counselor. <laughs> Once again, another show that Riverdale doesn't understand what the guidance counselor is, because the teacher's like, Archie, you're in trouble. Go see the guidance counselor. And I'm like, why? <laughs> no, what? What is the... Is this... Why? <laughs> <laughs> She's not She's the not dean the... of discipline. <laughs> She's... <laughs> you don't like i mean maybe that's a good thing to do but like hey you could you maybe maybe this teacher maybe this teacher's like archie you're clearly dealing with something you have a lot of stress in your life i can tell that from this brief interaction we're having right now you don't need to go to the principal to be punished you need to go to the guidance counselor to but, be helped however he is a science man not a word man you can tell because he wears a lab coat in high school <laughs> it's true so so instead it comes what, out as, as Go to the guidance counselor. <laughs> he also is a full doctor. He is a doctor. True, Dr. Flutie. Mm-hmm. Which is a character from Archie, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Now, Archie arrives there, and he is case 70. Yes. And he doesn't know why he's there, because he's not applied to any colleges. <laughs> yes, he has... But that's the reason why he's there. It's because like, you haven't applied for any colleges. He's like, I'm busy. I gotta clean up the town, lady. Well, he also says, I'm not going to college. I need to stay in town. Now, this is very important, Aaron. And you have to remember this. There's no college in Riverdale. There's no Riverdale Community College? He said, I can't go to college. I need to stay in town. Mm. So... This show has given itself a very strange timer or very weird thing is going to have to work around because presumably they want to do another season. I could have sworn that he talked about going to Riverdale Community College during season one. I Maybe he did, Aaron, but that, that was years ago. That was a different time. Three years ago. Aaron, there's no way that the person who wrote book one wrote the same person who wrote these other books. <laughs> That's true. They they did explain that to us. They did explain that to us. Clearly, book one was written by F by Jughead's grandfather, but these books are written by Jughead. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Or no, Dupont. Dupont's writing these books, but Jughead will write season five. Ooh. Ooh. No one's gonna have ghosts in it. <laughs> <sighs> okay. So Archie needs to stay in town to clean it up. He needs to carry on his dad's legacy. He needs to fix everything so no one else gets hurt. And then effectively, in not as many words, or I mean, I guess in more words, uh, Gina Torres goes, yo, you a superhero. <laughs> and Archie's like, I like superheroes. I like superheroes. At night, I put on a mask and I go and <laughs> I go and do, I go out and I go find things. She's like, are you? Are you cruising Fox River? It's like no, 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 not 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 in a not not like a gay sex way. Just in like a beating up grown men who run <laughs> drugs and also saving kids from themselves way. <laughs> I do like how Gina begins this by saying like, uh, you know, if you tell me anything illegal, I do have to tell people about it. And he's like, nothing illegal. Nothing illegal. But let's say that I was a. I, let's let's just say for 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 hypothetical sake, I am the knight. What would you do? And she's like, so superheroes usually start their journey because they have great grief in their life. Yes. <laughs> like, uh, I guess so, but I'd like to remind you, I was a superhero before that. <laughs> well, Archie, I think you can do many great things for the town, like get some adults to volunteer for your community center involving me, including me, and maybe making a tip line so people can leave anonymous tips if they're too scared to go to the police. Why be so good, too scared to go to the police in this town where your sheriff is FP, a gang member? Yeah. So, you know, they'll leave a message for a boy and then the boy will tell the sheriff. <laughs> Presumably. Uh, I can't. I can't get into like the there's there's a lot of problems with neighborhood tip lines in a lot of places, but I uh, can't really get into that. Um, I do want to um, but send out some congratulations to KJ Appa for a really great, highly acted scene of him mm -hmm. doing like with Archie being upset because he's like I you know he finally gets to put into words like I just. I don't want people to get hurt, and I don't know how to not have people get to get hurt. And that's Everything I do makes things worse. Yeah, and that is a thing that a lot of people of all ages feel, especially when you, you know, are trying to make the world better. Now, he has a little bit more of a thing where he's like, I'm trying to help people, and then this random gang <laughs> just is, came at me and did a drive-by on my mom. So he's, his stuff is a little bit more upfront in your face, but it's still a thing a lot of people deal with. And I do want to say, I love the line where he said, I don't know exactly somebody, but he was upset because she was talking to him like he was a moron. Yeah. Because people do talk to Archie like he is the <laughs> dumbest dummy. Yeah. And Archie may not be great with his words. Yeah. But he's not the dumbest dummy. No, he's, he's and he's got a good heart. I also like how, um, she, how uh, she essentially says in... In a way, that he's effectively addicted to being a superhero, which is right. And she asks him who will protect the vigilante, <laughs> and then tells him not to go outside at nighttime. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Now he takes some of this advice. He hears, like I would say, every other word at the very least. He goes to his mother that afternoon. Yep. And he says, "Mother, I love you so much." So I'm going to move into my community center so no one will shoot you. <laughs> He's like, what? I'm 18 now. I can just go somewhere else and sleep there. 
so he's gonna sleep in a semi-converted boxing gym. It's worth mentioning that he doesn't really move out. He just is now sleeping there because he doesn't, like, pack up all his stuff. He gets, like, an overnight bag and then heads to the gym. And then he sets up a tape-based answering machine and a rotary phone, and he has hand-drawn flyers that he's going to put up everywhere saying, hey, call my tip line. Hey, this is a random flyer. You see a crime? You you called the, this man. I'm, I'll fix all your crime things. You don't want to talk to the police? Talk to this random boy. <laughs> I'm not going to explain who I am on the poster, but you can tell I'm a boy. <laughs> yeah, if you see, because <laughs> this poster is hand-drawn. <laughs> It's 2019. Photoshop's pretty easy to get. <laughs> or Not maybe even just MS Paint. Or he could use Canva, which is a free <laughs> online editor that makes great products. Why don't you, uh, you call me up with the crime that you see and something will happen, I'm sure. I've not really thought it through yet. <laughs> but I got a big red phone, you know, like superheroes do. <laughs> I'm not a vigilante, though. I'm a Batman. Don't shoot my mom. With Archie done, we head on to our next character, who is a main character, so I guess we have to do stuff with her. And has chosen to not be in her house for the first time in known history. <laughs> yeah, Cheryl is in class, and I guess taking advantage of this, they, she gets a call, being, or not a call, but you know, the intercom goes, uh, Hey Cheryl, since, since you're here. Can you come to Honey's office? <laughs> honey's office. Now Honey uh, explains, even though Cheryl's like... You know, ah, uh, time for another one of our... Uh, our tete-a-tetes. The war of the wed- red roses is on. <laughs> now, unfortunately, Honey isn't a reasonable person, because this actually is along those lines. But he does point out that she has been absent 26 times this semester. Which is not as many as I expected. It's still a lot. Still a lot. How many, how many months is a semester? <sighs> this is probably, like, December... We haven't had Christmas yet. Okay. But winter is here because of that ice storm. <laughs> okay, that's so true. So if school starts in September, September, October, November, let's say three months. Yeah, and there's only, f- and there's, so there's five day school. She has missed more than a month of school. She has missed a good third. Which is insane by afterwards, she says that she has a 4.0 GPA, which I refuse to believe. She's sitting at home doing all of her schoolwork and then sending it with Tony. She's like, ah, deliver things, my TT. Or, or do you think that Tony does her schoolwork and just just because Tony apparently now is a lamp and she continues to be a lamp? Tony is very smart. We know this. Yeah. We know this to be true. And she loves her so much, so of course she'll just do her homework for her. Why wouldn't she? So, Mr. Honey is like, now, Cheryl, uh, it has come to my attention that you are... Indeed, uh, in high school. So it seems to me that maybe an adult should be in charge of something. So I'm going to put a coach in charge of the Vixens. <laughs> so maybe you guys can do actual cheerleading instead of dancing you saw on Instagram. Now, I'm not saying I'm kicking you off of it. I'm simply putting an adult in charge. Uh, but because there needs to be some sort of drama here... He'll do it if, unless if she can prove she's sane to the guidance counselor. Cheryl having to prove she's sane is an ongoing plot point on this show. To the guidance counselor. Even Mr. Honey doesn't know what a guidance counselor is. Why would that be where you would send her to? <laughs> Why does the guidance counselor judge her sanity? I mean, I mean this guidance counselor <laughs> is a licensed psychologist. Yeah. So she goes and talks to um, uh, to Gina Torres and rattles all this stuff about her having a 4.0 GPA, and she runs the Vixens, but she there's no way she does, because she hasn't been there for 26 days, which means those Vixens, there's no way they're... They're not even having practice, they're just going home. <laughs> no, there's no way there's been any of that. They show up at the football games and they just, like, shake pom-poms. Oh, she also mentions that Archie has been not going to football practice. Which, you know, they have Monroe now. <laughs> Yeah. That's why he gave the Monroe. He was like, I have to do other things. But look. Here's a Monroe. Here's a grown man. Uh. She also explains that she is not afraid of the things going on in the town because she has killed many a villain with her bow <laughs> over the years. And because, once again, there's no reason for Gina to believe these crazy things she's saying. She just goes, I mean, that's probably metaphorical. <laughs> <laughs> she's now, wrong. Then she rattles off like... All the things that has happened to Cheryl, and then asks the question that we have been asking repeatedly: Cheryl, 
Let me talk about going to a therapist. And Cheryl goes, absolutely not, but in a Cheryl way. Yeah, which means it's nonsense. Um, and then she mentions that she doesn't talk to a therapist, but she does talk to her brother. And no, not in prayers. She talk, <laughs> But then she just says, I talk to him. I go to the chapel and I talk to him. And he talks back. So, which makes me believe that, once again, Gina, Gina Torres believes that... Um, There's, like, a photograph of him in the chapel or yeah, something. Yeah, or, like, you know, she's not having hallucinations, but, like, that. And she's like, okay, okay, I can see where this is going. She, There's no way she thinks she has a, uh, has a dead body, because she says this is reasonable. She's like, yeah, lots of people will talk to a gravestone or yeah. ashes, and they think they hear things where, back. Yeah, where do you stand when you across the room? It's like, oh, what's the difference between standing across the room and standing close? It's all, it's all the same. Once again, she does not realize she's talking about a corpse. And, you know, you're trying to work through things, so you think Jason's talking to you, but it's just your own brain fixing things. But there's the other brother... Wait, what? <laughs> the ghost. The ghost that has embodied a Julie. doll. Julian. You see, in the womb, I absorbed my brother, and now his ghost haunts me. <laughs> and she's like, okay, I'm going to say something very obvious here. It sounds to be like you're being gaslit. <laughs> like you did to your girlfriend. <laughs> you know. You remember when you did that. Anyway. Someone's what, doing that back to you. Let me ask you something, Cheryl. What seems more reasonable to you? That a ghost has haunted a doll or that you're being gaslit? And man, I wish that Cheryl would have said that a ghost is haunting a doll. No one no one gaslights Cheryl. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> but Cheryl has finally broken. She has no pithy retort. I mean, I think when Gia, Gina Torres explained to her that she does not live in a gothic novel. <laughs> she does she does use the phrase, look, your life is apparently just entirely based off of gothic tropes. We can't get into that though. Uh but you <laughs> are just a human being. So Cheryl, maybe we're gonna do a little blood test. No a cheek swab. Yeah, she just wants her saliva, which Cheryl because she freaks about everything. It's like, you can't have my, my bodily fluids. You harpy? Yeah. Man, I cannot. I cannot imagine talking to the. How does how does Eddie how does Tony deal with? Oh, well, and it's even more stark in this episode because Gina Torres' character is so like <laughs> level insane. And so whenever she comes at her by calling her a harpy or like a, a succubus, a I succubus think. at one point, she just goes, "Hmm." <laughs> anyway, no. Tell you what, we'll get, we'll get this. You can. I I have a friend who who apparently studies um chimerism. We can test to see if you have any more DNA in your DNA. Which, chimerism is a real thing. Yeah. And Cheryl is like, what? I've never heard of this before. I'm like, of course you don't. You live in 1869. Yeah, you think FP is a constable. <laughs> you, you, you don't have power in your house. How do you understand how any, how like germs work? You've definitely never listened to a podcast. <laughs> um, she also does tell Cheryl that she is going to recommend that an adult should coach yeah. the vixens. Like, as an administrator, it seems to be that a coach should take charge and you should deal with your stuff. And Cheryl sobs into her t-shirt. And screams. And there's one moment where, like, other vixens walk by and, like, are whispering about her. And I both the whispering is, hey, is that Cheryl? Yeah, I haven't seen her in, like, two months. I thought she dropped out of school. Are we still, uh, like, we've just been doing our own. <laughs> we've just been doing schoolwork together. We all got into Yale. <laughs> I think she sends us, like, Skype messages. Do you use Skype? No, I'm 16. I use WhatsApp. Cheryl can't send them Skype messages. She doesn't have power in her house. Oh, you're right. No, Skype is the name of the bird. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Snipe. <laughs> I guess she does have power before 7 p.m. I'm sorry. I, I misspoke. <laughs> yeah, so she has enough power to send one Skype message. <laughs> wartime rations. <laughs> She's got to say all those wartime rations. One <laughs> Skype message a night. Or if you're very lucky, <laughs> you can watch half of a YouTube video. Ooh, Ooh I hear Smosh is very popular these days. Where's Anthony? So, Aaron. Yes, Kevin. What did you find out this week? Oh, well, I did a bit of research because I have feelings about the viability of uh, Hiram Lodge's <laughs> rum business. His northern rum business. So I uh, went to look some things up. 
I found a Forbes article about like craft rum distilleries. Okay. Which I know he doesn't have a craft distillery. Apparently, it's very world famous or something, despite the fact that Veronica has never heard of it. Yeah, and I thought he had a different business. Whatever. So, apparently, if you're a small distillery, for $200,000, you can get up and running with a still, a business, and a license. Okay. If you want to age anything, you need millions of dollars to make it on that, st- on that scale. Because you need to carry the inventory for years... So it can age. Yes. So if he has any sort of aged rum, he's making a product that can't be sold for three to five years. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, Tasting rooms are really expensive, but you don't need to do those right away. Though that is how customers find your product. And uh, they need to have various price points for the business model. The actual bottles themselves are about a dollar a piece. A cork is 10 cents to a dollar. But the most important thing is that investing in a rum business can be up to millions of dollars based on your business plan and how many markets you want to serve. So if we remember correctly, did his he he did he come from a wealthy family? No, he came from a poor family. Right, he came from a poor So there ha- he was a hustler. Right. So maybe they're going to do a reveal where like he owes a lot of money to the very mafia he works for cuz they gave fronted him the money to make his rum. But it seems like his rum is very Okay, he came from a poor family. Somehow he... He he, went to Miami. Maybe he started out with that one still, one thing down in Miami where that makes sense. But he still somehow got $200,000. Although I guess in 90s money that would have been... Yeah, and maybe maybe he did the whole, like, you know, yeah, yeah, take out a business loan because he was a young go-get an 18-year-old. Yeah. We don't, he... we don't know. We don't know how old. Hey, by the time that uh, uh, Hermosa was born, he, he was, was successful. successful. So we, until we know how old Hermosa is, we're guessing she's around twenty-five. Yeah, which mean that he was successful by twenty-five. Yep, because she would be ten years younger than Chick Charles. So when when. When Hermione said, oh, you know, that Hiram, he always has a scheme. Was his scheme $200,000 to begin a rum business? Was that his always has a scheme? Maybe he didn't start this rum business. Maybe his scheme was making friends with an old man who then <laughs> willed him his business. Mm, yes, that 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 old that old chestnut. We should not be so concerned about where, like, if, if you make a show good, we should not be so so confused about why this rich guy is rich. And I shouldn't be able to do like a, you know, <laughs> easy Google, a casual Google and be like, wait, what? Like, because I thought I didn't realize that rum was his main bit. Like, that feels like that would have to be his main business. But what it, but he's a real estate developer. Yeah, it's like Veronica didn't even know he did rum. <laughs> Veronica didn't even know he had ever been in Miami. <laughs> There's so many things that don't. What? I like how how could he both supposed to be like the kid who comes from poor, but then also whatever that thing was with Hermione and him in the past, but also he's a he's like, I mean, I guess the, I guess the idea is supposed to be that he's a self made man through crime. Yes, like like honestly, this stuff isn't unreasonable, but because we haven't like because it seems so scattershot, we're like, oh yeah, and now he he's has a, this. Now he's a rum guy. And remember the time that Luke Perry Andrews said to Hermione in season one, because they were dating then, he said, remember when we were kids and you dumped me for the rich kid? But he, but unless if he got very rich by 18. And so, th- also, they didn't really date. They just sort of kissed some while they were doing a lot of drugs in D&D. Yeah. Also, Luke Perry Andrews may have been the rich kid. <laughs> yeah, he may have been the rich kid. <laughs> I, I, uh, we can't. We can't keep poking holes. There's once you start poking, it just gets bigger and bigger. Don't research storylines too much, guys. <laughs> Don't do it. Well, speaking of uh, Hiram and his weirdness, uh, Veronica arrives home. No, I think she's her leaving for school. Oh, that would make sense. Yeah, she's leaving for school, and he's like, "Ah, Veronica, look at me." <laughs> <laughs> and Veronica's like, "Ah, I hate it when I have to look at you, Dad." <laughs> 
He gives a speech that it won't become clear until later that he's just pointing out plot points for the episode. He goes, Ah, yes, Veronica, look at this rum. It's my favorite rum. Other than you, of course, you're my favorite daughter. I also like this rum. Did you see my Harvard thing over there? You're my daughter. How's college? Like, why is he saying all these things? Also, when did he go to Harvard? Mm, Yeah, that adds... (laughs) When? Is he a rich kid or a poor kid? (laughs) You know, that uh, that Hiram always is a scheme, making his rum business and going to Harvard. (laughs) Harvard business. It's because it's the only school they can think of. The only school this show can think of that is fancy is Harvard and Yale. So True. Ev- so everyone only goes to Harvard or Yale. You know, not Brown. <laughs> not the one in California. And I understand it's because they're recognizable, but it's they're so recognizable that it's annoying. Yeah. Anyway, Veronica is like, ah, blah, 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 then heads off to school. Where Kevin Hey, because Kevin's the only secondary character we get in this episode. Kevin's talking about game theory, and I kind of thought that, like, game theory would come up, and maybe it does, but that's not really what they're going for. Like, it would be cool if he was talking about game theory, and then Giantaurus also was, like, talking about relationships, because that's kind of what he's saying. He's like, oh, it's economics, but also relationships, and you kind of get some... Of that. Some game theory. But we don't get to hear very much of it because Veronica goes and interrupts him because she gets a phone call. Of course her, of course her phone is on, is on sound and on in front of her at school. And it says Dean something because it's the Dean of Admissions at Harvard. It's Dean Winchester. And he is, she steps out, he is personally calling her to tell her, welcome to Harvard. Also, thank your dad for that rum. And I'm like, come on. Dude. <laughs> if you're being bribed, don't. don't draw attention to the fact you're being bribed, you dummy. Why, why would... Why? And also, why would Hiram be this dumb to do this just after the UCLA scandal? Yeah, like... <laughs> I mean, he doesn't know that. That's a different universe. True. Never mind. <laughs> so, immediately after this, her spirit dashed. Veronica goes to see... Gina Torres. Yeah. She is case 75. Mm. And uh, Harvard was once her dream, but it's now her nightmare. Yeah. And once again, because, you know, Gina is just on point in this, like, well, it just seems to me like you and your dad are kind of obsessed with each other. Veronica makes a really, really strained Lear analogy where she's like, I won't be his Cordelia. And I'm like, well. Cordelia is the one who sees through all of Lear's nonsense and loves him anyway. I think what you mean is you won't be his Reagan slash gone role. Yeah. One, w- Have you read Lear, Veronica? No, she hasn't. But she does say she doesn't think her life is a Greek tragedy. She thinks it's Shakespearean. Like, oh, you need to stop. So, yeah, Gina goes on to explain, like, Oedipus and Electra and, like, the fact that, like, you know, it seems like you, like, for some reason you and your dad just... Man, really hate love each other. So, uh, the only way you're ever gonna actually get away from him is not by beating him, Veronica. Yeah. Is by cutting ties with him forever. And what she says is, look, your dad is trolling you, so you need to ghost him. And Veronica responds with a, ugh. You need to work on your teen lingo. I'm like, no, Veronica, you need to work on your teen lingo. These are making cool references to Lear. Especially ones that are incorrect. Okay, maybe they are. <laughs> but, but once again, Veronica talks like no human being talks. She makes references to things there's no way she has any sort of cultural context for. But yeah, you get on Gina Torres saying trolling and ghosting. Get off of it. I can't even with the Veronica storyline. Can we move on? Absolutely. Oh, no. Jughead is late for seminar. He's so late that DuPont sent all the other children away to write. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, hey, Jughead, you suck, Jughead. You haven't even applied for colleges, Jughead, because you suck, Jughead. Yeah, nerd. <laughs> I've threatened. I mean, he doesn't say this, but he heavily implies. I've threatened all the teachers here. No one's going to write you a reference letter. I've destroyed your future, Jughead. Well, really, it's the school's fault for only giving Jughead one class. Yeah, no one else even knows who he is. <laughs> 
So he's like, I suggest instead you go back to your 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 public school, your your public alma mater, and maybe one of them will give you a reference. It was once the good school on the show, but now it's a bad school. <laughs> Is Stonewall in Riverdale? Who knows? We're at least a train ride away. <laughs> so Jughead gets and, on and that he train. He jumps out the window, <laughs> but he's a <laughs> he flies. God, <laughs> he's an Icarus. All right, so Jughead is there, and he's well. He's waiting to get his transcript, which apparently he has to go through the guidance counselor to do. And he this, has to... this makes the most sense of whoever went to the guidance counselor, mm-hmm. but still, it's very weird. Also, typically, you don't physically get a transcript. You put in a request, and then they mail it in a secure, sealed envelope to the place you've applied to. Nah, who knows? But that's neither here nor there. So, Jughead goes back there, and and he's just having, like, a nice chat with Gina Torres, which eventually obviously becomes a therapy session. Um, she reveals, or he reveals all his secret society woes, and she's kind of like, whoa. So the rich people are bullying you, and you are investigating a secret society instead of doing any work at all to prove them wrong yeah so the she she does a pretty good job of like dissecting Jughead down into stuff that we sort of talked about which is that I mean she puts it in better words because they actually had her say like psychology stuff and use analogies that Jughead would understand yeah so he has a persecution complex at this and she describes it a lot better when she says he wants to at the same time be the rebel hero but also be the persecuted so it kind of works for him to figure out problems but then not really try to solve them because if he solves them he's no longer the rebel hero exactly she also points out that he's been doing this weird thing since he went to Stonewall where he idolizes his grandfather but maybe he should keep in mind that his grandfather is a complex individual. Yeah. And maybe he should be appreciative of his, all the things that his own father has yeah, done Yeah, his for father him. who pushed him to go to Stonewall and, you know, all and, the, like, to, to work for a better life. And, you know, maybe Jughead should be like his dad and also work for a better yeah. life to take advantage of these things that have been given to him. But then, of course, Gina Torres tops it off by being like, also, if you actually think that there's some sort of weird conspiracy at this, uh, going on, maybe instead of walking around and just shouting at people, you actually put in the work and figure out what happened. So then you can actually fight against the secret society. <laughs> Versus just, just, be, just you know, being, like, happy that you're being, per- oh, you know, being happy that you're being persecuted. Be like, ah, I'm, per- ah, these, uh. I'm never going to succeed because all the riches hate me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Go, maybe actually do some work. And he's like, ah. All right, I came here for my transcript, but I guess I'll take also motivation. And uh, do you think I'm selfish? And she says, no, you're just a teenager in Riverdale. No, no, you're all teenagers. I will, I will admit there has been some weird things that has happened today, uh, but I'm not paid enough for it. Jughead, will you please take all of this candy? Because if you don't... I will eat all of it tonight as I try to parse through <laughs> what happened in my day. Jughead, you must take all this candy, for I will disappear from after this episode is done. My my office will no longer exist. I will not be mentioned. I will float into the aether. <laughs> so he takes all that candy. Yep. Then he gets to writing in his house, which is also Betty's house. <laughs> yeah. Then his dad comes home, and his dad's like, whoa, my son, best day ever. <laughs> Yeah, he's very cute in that moment. And then Jughead says he loves him and hugs him, and it's very sweet. He appreciates everything FP has done, except for that one time that Jughead had to live in the school and FP <laughs> punked the uh, drive-in. Yeah. Uh, uh, to be fair, of all the relationships of being like, they've come together, that makes a lot more sense than Alice and Betty. Speaking of Alice and Betty... Betty arrives home. Alice is making salad and being weird. <laughs> Turns out what Alice did... Okay. She's like, hey, Betty, you should, time for you to set the table. Please set the table. The table clearly already set. (laughs) But Betty brings over, like, some heat pads that you can put things on. (laughs) Yep. Then looks down at a letter, a stack of letters, and decides, for some reason, to pick up the top letter. Which maybe has her name on it. It kind of looks like it might be an acceptance letter, but who knows? She doesn't really, like, think about it that much. And then she puts it down, and beneath it was a check. To her. For... The college fund that her mother stole, apparently. Except it appears that the check is only for $5,000. It's hard to tell. They did a very good job of making that writing undecipherable, and her finger is just over the the money amount. 
So she might have enough money for one semester of university. It's, <laughs> but I mean, the thought is there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's nice that like, I don't know. This kind of feels sweet, but it also once once again, I think I think because of the the therapy system was actually so good of being from Betty's perspective that that like. We aren't supposed to be like, ah, good. Now they have been reconciled. Yeah, they're not. They're not. Also, where'd she get the money from? <laughs> yeah, the the fact that she could just give her that money without apparently any real effect on her. Just pay for your daughter's <laughs> college, Alice. All right, well, let's head over to Archie. He flops on his bed, but then he hears a clicking noise ah. or something. He has a voice... Not a voicemail. He has an answering machine message. Yes. There's a kid. He lives at the end of Sketch Alley. There's a man in the building. So the man lives down the hall, and the kid thinks that the man hits his mom? I think his mom might be a prostitute. Ah. The the connotations there for being he lives down the hall, he hits my mom, makes me think that it's a prostitute situation. Uh, But don't worry, because Archie's (laughs) going to go out there and he's not going to wear his black hood. This is what I got from the therapy. I should go out there as me with a baseball bat. He he does tuck it in his pocket, so maybe he's going to do it later. Archie is still a superhero, but at least his mom is safe. Well, I mean, once again, as uh, as Gina Torres said, she doesn't actually expect people to, like, change on the dime. It seems like they put that line in to make this episode not inconsequential. Hmm. hmm. Uh, Cheryl. She gets her test results because this is the fastest <laughs> genetic testing lab ever. Time is inconsequential. She is not a chimera. Shocking. And even if she was, who cares? It doesn't mean that you're being haunted. And it also doesn't mean you're a bad person because something <laughs> happened in the womb, Cheryl. Yeah, like man, we're she's very lucky that that did come out negative. But even if it did come out positive, that wouldn't mean anything. It's not a reflection on her. But anyway, Cheryl's like, good. Now that I've learned that, it means that I'm not crazy, and that this, someone is trying to gaslight me. And Tony feels so like done with it. He's like, ah, oh, Cheryl. Cheryl. All right, if you say so, babe. Do is it going to reveal that Tony's messing with her back? No, it's too mean now. Yeah, but it feels like it can't be a cute loving prank. No, I don't think it's a cute loving prank. I think they're going to turn Tony villainous. Maybe Tony's a psychopath. Maybe he, she has the serial killer gene. Like, like that's. It's either that or Nana Rose being weird. But that also that would feel like underwhelming. Or maybe her mom is also living in this. Oh, I house. guess it could be Penelope Blossom living in the walls. Ooh. Ooh, I got a brothel in the walls. Veronica sits in her dad's office with her feet up on his desk, drinking some scotch rum, rum. <laughs> from a scotch tumbler. Yes. She's drinking it straight. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and she, thinking back on what Gina Torres has said, has decided. She's not going to go to Harvard. And she turned it down because she also got early acceptance to Yale. Yeah, because of course she did. Of course she did. I find it hard to believe that someone who was like that single-minded on Harvard yeah. would also apply to other schools, but that's fine. Anyway, um, she has this great speech. It was like, you know what? I would do these things. I'd go Fortune 500, but you know, I won't let you define my life. Except for this moment right now. I let you define this moment. I gave up that dream because I decided it was your dream and not my dream. Rather than reclaiming my dream. I found a different dream. Yeah, I showed you. And I'm like, I don't feel like that's as strong an ending as she thinks it is. And then she informs him that she learned another thing from her guidance counselor. (laughs) I read some books now. (laughs) And now I know the only thing I can do, father, is kill you. In business. Rum business, to be specific. <laughs> like, oh, God, so much there. There's no way you, you, there's no way you could run a rum business. We just learned the startup cost on them. Yeah. And also, you're 18. <laughs> also, you're 18. There's no way you can do that. And also, what? What? See, they, they keep on thinking they've shown us her business acumen, and I don't think they ever have. No, she's never figured anything out on her own. No, she's always... She's always, like, even, like, when she did the, did the casino, she was able to figure it out because her dad tipped her off and told her what to do. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, she's keeping Le Bon Nuit and Pop Tates running, but the thing about Pop Tates is that Pop Tates was a staple of the town. And people love 
him. Yeah, so and I his cooking. Yeah, so I don't think she really like you know show like prove that she could keep that going. And Le Bon Nuit is its own weird thing, but it never looks like there's that many people in there other than when they have performance nights. It also may be the only bar left in town. It is entirely possible it's the only bar left in town. <laughs> So, so I, I just never felt like we got a good moment that that proved that Veronica good at business. She didn't even know that she didn't actually get the businesses. Also, how is she going to school full time, pulling I guess higher than a four Yeah, and also running two full time businesses. She's not. It's not possible. You no, know, no. There's no way she was both a shoe in for Harvard and a shoe in for Yale. Yeah, like she. I hate saying it. But she really is coming up at, like, a Mary Sue, mm-hmm. where she is perfect at everything she does. <sighs> with... She puts down the Scott rum yeah. glass, she walks out, and her dad is shocked <gasps> to realize the rum she opened is the bottle he so obviously pointed out to her. <laughs> that morning, once again, that morning he said three things. He said, <laughs> you're going to school, there's this my special rum bottle, I went to, I went to Harvard. I thought he went to Cambridge. Now I'm very confused. Uh, yes. Maybe he went to both, Aaron. He's a magical man, untethered from time. How many lives has he lived? Oh, many! (laughs) 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 Alright, let's wrap this up. You see, Jughead has in... (laughs) I guess it's been a crazy three hours. (laughs) Since he left... Because he was the last appointment of the day. So since he left school at 3 p.m., he wrote all of his pages. For his Back to Brothers thing. He applied to some colleges. Ooh! And he's done research. And he found a bunch of deaths of people who were in that secret society. Including one man whose name I will say because it's the best name ever, Charles W. Chickens. (laughs) Who killed Charles W. Chickens. I need to know. Who did it? Who killed Chickens? Well, the only one left alive is DuPont. (gasps) Baxter Brothers built Stonewall. (laughs) (laughs) But everyone who was in the skull and crossbones, the hook and feather, I don't remember what it's called. The skull and quill. Cool. Anyway, this this leads on to... um, a where there's a lineup and but it's not really a lineup it's just they just they just trot out betty archie and veronica, <laughs> veronica and then behind the one-way glass is donna brett being like yes they are the ones we saw kill jughead and fp's like mm. <laughs> like mm, this isn't a lineup i don't know why i did it this way why have i done this thing i could have just shown them photos <laughs> Usually you bring, like, a bunch of people in because they have to pick them out of a lineup. You can't just show them the three suspects and be like, yes, those are all them. You did it. Good job, cops. Well, you know, he's still new to being a sheriff. (laughs) At this point, it would have been spring. It's true. He's been doing it for years. Uh, Also a gang member. Ooh. Oh, yeah, I forgot. He was re-becoming a serpent. There's no law saying he can't be a leader of a gang and (laughs) sheriff. Well, they're certainly not when your gang is a community service group. That's true. That's true. That is true. So, Aaron. Yes, Kevin. Throughout this episode, did you find yourself a CW moment? Did I find a CW moment? Did I find a moment where Logic thought it was walking in to see its guidance counselor to make sure all of its applications were in order for college, only to fall headfirst into a drama session, a.k.a. therapy? (laughs) You know, it was actually hard with this episode. Because we had one character's entire purpose was to be like, your drama's nonsense, here's some reason. But what I will tell you is that I think my CW moment is all of those things that Jug had accomplished between 3 p.m. <laughs> and 7 p.m.? I mean, part is like, yeah, w- when you've been apathetic for so long, then you get a kick of motivation. You are you are incredibly motivated, but that is the time There's of There's just physical, like, totally. He, I can imagine him just going into a fugue state, although he did get up and hug his dad. He wrote a lot of pages in three hours. Like, the, his typing speed alone is insane. Well, and then to get those college applications in? Well, and also, they just had dinner. Remember, he and his dad were in the backyard. So was he just sitting there with his laptop in the backyard being like, oh! I love you, dad. I love you, dad. I love you, dad. I love you, dad. Baxter Brothers. Oh, my God, a death. No, dad. Not in the book. In real life. <laughs> 
I'm multitasking. Hey, Dad, go get your own laptop. I'm going to get you to fill in the grunt work on the applications for me. <laughs> I mean, FB would do that. He would, because he loves him. He does, yeah. Did you find a CW moment? I did. And mine is a very small moment. It might not be dramatic, but I do like it a lot. Which after Veronica gets the call, because she interrupts Kevin beginning his speech. like, ah, oh, game theory. Not only useful in economics, but also interpersonal. And she gets a call and runs out. And then she gets in the hall and is out there for about, like, a minute. And then she screams with joy because she got got you know the got into it. And it cuts inside. And Kevin's just sitting down. <laughs> like, he's, like... like he's, as soon as Veronica left, she was like, oh, there's no point in doing this presentation. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like something happened in that classroom to like get, all of a sudden get everybody head down. Like writing, you're know, writing something. <laughs> like what was his present? His presentation was just done. Like oh well, I guess Veronica's not here. Um, Unless, why don't we all just do a pop quiz? Was that the end of his presentation? He's just really bad at concluding statements. <laughs> I mean, either one of those really is because the show wanted to have a moment where she screamed and everyone looks up like, oh, this woman dis- disrupting all of us. Oh, she's excited about something. Oh, who knows? Crazy. Crazy. Spe- special mention, though, to uh, the the dean at the school for, men- for telling her to tell her dad, hey, <laughs> tell your dad thanks for the bribe, by the way. I'm not going to give any details about the bribe, but uh, I'm going to draw attention to it. Yeah, like... I- I, I I guess I imagined that his that because once again Gene Torres was right. Her dad was trying to troll her. He's like, oh by the way, uh, I mentioned to Veronica about about the rum. It's a joke we have between the two of it's, us. It's an inside joke. She'll get it. She'll and, like it. And he just didn't think that she would <laughs> cut and burn that hard. <sighs> it is it is funny that like. They had this character come in, and essentially her entire point was to point out everybody's nonsense. True. And, but have her end up with a line that says, I don't expect everyone to change, like, overnight. And the only person who really changes is Jughead and maybe, but Betty doesn't even change, it's Alice. It's Alice. And Alice kind of changes. But they had to change Alice to make this episode work. Because yeah. I'm sorry, Alice this season has not been that Alice. No, no. Like, they had to change Alice back to first season right now so they could change her back to what she should have been at the end of the whole arc anyway. The whole farm thing, yeah. So they both they regressed her <laughs> to progress her. Could they just not think of a better way to explain why Betty will be able to go to college? I I, I feel like they should have just ha- explained a way that she got the money. Like, I, I, I don't know why they put, put into question... When Alice was in the cult and when she was, because I, I, up until this point, had just been in the mind, like, oh, they wanted us to believe that she had always been undercover. Now, don't worry, she was terrible undercover. Now, I'm sure there was some line somewhere where she talks about when Charles found her, because I do kind of remember that. Maybe we just didn't listen. (sighs) I don't. Properly, but, I mean, a throwaway line, right? Yeah. So, like, it, it makes me feel like, like, I once again, I don't know what they wanted the audience to get out of this episode other than some fun meta stuff, but it wasn't even that fun meta stuff. It was just, yeah, you brought in a character to point out <laughs> a lot of stuff, but then have a lot of people ignore it. I mean, I guess to be fair, Cheryl is actually leaps and bounds. Cheryl is probably the furthest along, though she had to get a like like a paper to say you are not chimeric. Which, if that had said yes, she would have still been like, oh, yes, since science has told me that I have the same DNA as my brother, clearly ghosts are real. True. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's weird for someone to be like, ah, science has proven that I do not have a ghost haunting me. No, I was just thinking about how I'm curious to see what next week brings. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be weird. There's not a summary up on Netflix yet, so we weren't able to see... What the, like, one-liner is. It's called, like, Tangerine or something, though. Yeah. So, I don't know. We'll see. Let's see. Anyway, uh, that's pretty much that's pretty much it. Yeah, that's, we did it. Yeah, that was, that was the episode. It was, it was a lot. It was a lot of just Gina Torres talking to people. But, you know, it just kind of made you feel good that you were like, I'm not insane. <laughs> it, was, it was weirdly nice to have someone essentially call everybody out on their stuff, but... 
I don't feel like that's going to do. It's not going to pay off, but it, just let us feel good for forty-two yeah. minutes. Yeah, give us this in episode seven of your season of twenty-two <laughs> episodes. All right. Well, if you like this episode, you should give us a rating, a view, subscription on Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Spotify, wherever you find us. And also hit us up on the social meds. It's Podcast MOA, Podcast MOA on Instagram, on Twitter. Or you can email us at podcastmoa at gmail.com. If, so if you if you disagree with us with everything that we said here on this, then you use that email to, uh, I don't know, <laughs> to... Tell to, us. Tell us that maybe we're being overly negative about this. Maybe you did fix all the problems that you saw. And maybe we'll find out next week. Yeah, we'll see you next week. Who is gaslighting Cheryl? Who killed all the Quill and Skull members? Who is Alice going to be next episode? Second season Alice, third season Alice, in between season Alice? For answers to all this and more, join us next week on Mystery Outsiders and Abs. A teen drama fan cast? 